Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms now wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's the twenty third of June. It is Thursday. I know. It's so... I, I need a day clock. I need a clock with just the day of the week on it. Didn't you get one for I know. Uh, I, got, I got one for Neil Stava. Maybe I won't give it to him. Maybe, maybe I just take it back home. I know. Uh, I, I clearly need one. Uh, I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. If you've lost track of the days of the week, today's Thursday, which means we get to talk with Ben Johnson and Peter Kapsner. We're also going to visit with Asherita Chuchu about praying rest prayers, R-E-S-T. You can think about that. Think about that acronym. Um... And how you might construct prayers around that acronym. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. I, I, I like it. Um, we are also going to have a really wonderful opportunity to talk with Dr. Alan Curitan and Gail Curitan uh, as they wrap up 20 years of ministry here at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. We're going to have a finishing well conversation with them this morning. Um, so it's going to be a, a great couple of hours together. Thank you so much for sharing this time. I thought that um, one thing we haven't done recently is sort of turn to the international headlines and hashtag pray the news. Um, oftentimes we we hear about what's happening around the globe and we feel powerless as if we cannot do anything, but we can do something and we can do something powerful, and that is pray. So a couple of um, prayer prompts this morning from the international headlines. Taiwan's Ministry of National Defense said that 29 Chinese aircraft, including six bombers, um, entered the island's air defense identification zone, which basically means it's airspace. Earlier this week, it was the third largest such incursion this year. It um, it just it comes in the midst of uh, President Biden rejecting China's assertion that the Taiwan Strait is uh, not international waters. And so, you know, we've talked about Taiwan, we talk about China, um, and sometimes, you know, our attention is drawn to other parts of the world and other players in the world, but we need to be prayerfully lifting up the situation uh, in the Taiwan Straits. And the news out of Afghanistan that is uh, just, is just tragic. And um, if you haven't been praying for the people of Afghanistan, you know, let's let's re reignite, re uh, initiate those prayers today. There was a powerful earthquake in a rural mountainous region of eastern Afghanistan early Wednesday. The death toll um, is at least a thousand, but that number is expected to rise as there are many, many people who are still missing. Um, and, you know, after um, the United States left Afghanistan, so did most of the NGOs, the non governmental organizations, the ministries, most most helpers left. And so there are, there's just not a lot of people to run toward the rubble to help, um, except, except the Afghan people themselves. And so let's be praying ardently for them in the midst of their travail. Ben Johnson is joining us. You know him as the rights writer. He is also now a senior reporter and editor at the Washington Stand. 
We're going to um, talk about things going on and things where, you know, that little comment, hey, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Um, let's be talking about what is happening behind the scenes, places we want to look and see. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When you're little, the books that people buy for you and the books that are set out for you as age appropriate um, are the books that you have access to. And when you're little and people are reading to you, um, they are forming and informing your worldview. So Ben Johnson is joining us. He's going to take us to uh, a bookshelf display in a little town in Ohio. Um Ben, first of all, good morning. And then what's going on in, at the Portsmouth Public Library? Well, good morning, and thanks for having me, About uh, particularly about this issue. Portsmouth, Ohio, is uh, not the kind of place you would expect to see a culture war. Uh, 18,000 people. It's a little town on the Ohio River, very rural and uh, isolated in Scioto County. But there in the Portsmouth Public Library, apparently for the last three years, they have had a display for Pride Month. And uh, in the midst of this display, it's in the main library in the children's section. Uh, Some of the books that they are displaying uh, are intended for very young audiences. One of the books uh, called Being You, A First Conversation About Gender, is intended for children between the ages of two and five. And uh, here's the advice that it's giving to those toddlers. Uh, This is a quotation from the book. It says, it's okay to wonder, am I a girl? Am I a boy? Am I both? Am I neither? Uh, and then it has an illustration uh, of several young children, uh, one of them saying, uh, I'm trans. Another one says, I'm an in-betweener. Uh, looks like an adult male who says, today I feel like a boy. There's another book aimed for uh, 8 to 12-year-olds that uh, says that uh, talks about people of uh, multiple genders, and it describes uh, uh, sexual activity between them. Uh, I'll spare the language, but uh, it also has a depiction of two girls kissing and a, a what it describes as a pregnant man. So as you can imagine, this caused an uproar in this very conservative, very rural area. And uh, so this, this came to the attention of the library. They had their annual, uh, their monthly meeting uh, for the month of June this week. And the uh, the administrators did not do anything uh, however, the reason that I chose the, the title Nothing to See Here was a play on words both because initially this had been swept under the rug. It had gone on without anyone's knowledge for three years, but then also because of the innovative way that pastors solved this, uh, a, a number of pastors in the area went into the children's section and checked out all the books in the section. So now there is nothing on display. So... The library officials were saying there's nothing to see here, and now there is literally nothing to see here. Uh, It's an outrage, though, that this kind of uh, thing is happening in a taxpayer-funded institution aimed at children as young as two. Go visit your public library. See what's on display. Check out the things that uh, you don't necessarily want little kids reading. There you go. That is a very interesting strategy. I also love at the the end of the article, and by the way, 
Um, ben has an article on this topic posted at WashingtonStand.com. Uh, and at the end of the article, I really like that you offer people um, uh, an address to, you know, to reach out if they want to contact the library directly. And I like that you, you know, remind us that it should be people who live in the state of Ohio. And I like the way that you frame it. Ohio residents may politely contact, and then the information for the Portsmouth Public Library. Um, politely contact is important. Talk, talk with us um, just briefly, Ben. Remind us, uh, you know, about the importance of how we engage with others, not just, you know, not just being right, but being righteous in the way that we communicate with others in the culture today. Well, the primary lever for the advancement of the LGBT uh agenda for the last 30 years has been to portray those who disagree with them as hate mongers. And uh, it's it's wrong to hate anyone, obviously, uh, intrinsically. Uh, for those of us who are Christian, we believe in hating the sin, but loving the sinner. Uh, and so we disagree with the behavior, but we love those who engage uh, in it, even though uh, we don't love the fact that uh, they are being held captive in this style. And it's important for us to portray ourselves uh, as having the love of Christ, because ultimately that's the answer to everything, uh, is manifesting the love of Christ to these people. You know, I, I think of uh, Abby Johnson, who left the abortion industry because she found the love of Christ among those who were uh, picketing outside and who were offering counseling services and who told her for years and years that uh, we love her, we care for her. So it's very important that we live up to that standard if we say that we are Christians, that we have the fruits of Christianity in everything we do, not just what we say, but the way that we say it as well. That's Ben Johnson. You can find him at WashingtonStand.com. When we uh, return from a very brief break, we're going to talk about um, something going on in women's sports, particularly at the collegiate level, but it affects all of us at every level um, of athletic competition right at the front of um, of this same conversation in terms of identity politics in the United States. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So do you know um, a, a woman who is an athlete? And do you know the challenges that she's facing in athletic competition across the country today because she is being forced to compete in some cases against biological men? Um, if that's a story that you've been following and a storyline that you're interested in, you're not going to want to miss this. Uh, we're going to talk with Ben Johnson now about um, some developments on the athletic front. Ben, what um, what did FINA, well, who is FINA? What did FINA do um, and why does it matter to the rest of us? Well, FINA oversees world swimming. And uh, essentially what they said is that females will only compete against females from now on. So uh, they are protecting women's sports. Uh, of course, this is uh, particularly interesting to those of us who've been following the career of Leah Thomas at the University of Pennsylvania, who has dominated the collegiate sport, uh, uh, someone who went through puberty as a male and now is setting world records as a female, uh, whereas at, when competing against other males was sort of a middling uh, performer. So uh, you're seeing this uh, reaction to that uh, at a global level uh, from this body. So it's a victory for everyone. And um, if you guys want to read more about this and this development, again, WashingtonStand.com, this particular piece written by uh, Dan Hart, this is, um, you know, this is something that there's a lot of people who are not confused about this, Ben, but there seems to be an awful lot of confusion about who should qualify to play in a particular, particular like, gender-specific sport. 
I mean, I, you know, if women have to compete against men, then the whole conversation about having women's sports, it seems kind of silly and ridiculous. Well, of course, we're just uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and uh, which essentially established women's sports at a collegiate level. And the entire point of Title IX was that women said that we should not be competing against men. We should have the opportunity to distinguish ourselves on a level playing field against people who are similarly situated to ourselves. And uh, so you're seeing this. Uh, FINA has instituted this for swimming. The uh, International Rugby League did the same thing. Of course, rugby a very uh, heavy contact sport. Uh, it's not an American sport per se, uh, but uh, it's it's very, uh, very intensive for those who watch it uh, in other places. Now there are other world bodies, uh, for example, the World Soccer Governing Body, also for track and field, and World Netball Federation are all thinking about adopting similar policies to defend women's sports. So uh, this much is good. I'm glad that they're protecting women's sports. Uh, it's more important for those of us who are having these conversations to be able uh, simply to reinforce the reality uh, of a gender binary, that there are physical and psychological differences between the sexes, that these things are good, they reflect God's order, and that it is good for us uh, when we have things on a level playing field and they are sorted according to uh, the appropriate categories. If you want some resources on that, um, just Google what is a woman and hit video. And see see what comes up. All right, let's talk about who President Biden is listening to, um, who whose counsel he is seeking. Like Ben, when I think about um, discernment, and and particularly when I think about discernment and leadership, the people you choose to serve as your counselors or on your councils um, really matters. It, it it reveals a lot about you. Um, when I look at who you regard as the people to whom you would be listening on a particular topic, which is why um, this conversation about who is serving on the president's parents' council is so disturbing. Well, uh, it's one of those things where it was sort of hiding in plain sight. Uh, they announced this parents' council after, of course, several years of uh, of, of uh, COVID lockdowns. And then when parents were finding out what was being taught, we saw a, a very uh, pitched reaction at school board meetings across the country. And so parents were making their voices heard. Things became heated. The uh, Merrick Garland uh, threatened at one point to intervene and uh, po potentially to investigate parents who were raising their voices. And so they founded this parents council and uh, the uh, Biden administration said last week when they founded it, this was a chance for parents to make their voice heard at the national level. But who is it that's part of this council? What are the groups who are sitting on it? Uh, it listed the names, and I was taken aback when I saw them. For example, the National Action Network. That was founded by Reverend Al Sharpton. It's his pressure group. Uh, and among other things, of course, Al Sharpton, a very controversial history, uh, both before and after his founding of this uh, with uh, various various uh, um, uh, insti instigations of, uh, of uh, a very pitched rhetoric, uh, often uh, crossing the line into anti-Semitism and, and sometimes bleeding over into violence in, in the, its effect. But uh, you see here, for example, that uh, he's, he's got an LGBTQ alliance promoting the inclusion of LGBT people, quote, in all areas of religious life. So uh, that's one of the groups that he's talking to. You have a, girl, a group called Girls Incorporated, which was founded 157 years ago during the last year of the Civil War. And among other things, Girls Incorporated does not know how to define the term girl. Uh, it has overnight camps for anyone who identifies as a girl. Uh, 
Uh, it promotes transgender uh, transitions at a very young age. So does a group called Unidos US, which used to be known as the National Council of La Raza. Uh, they also uh, have a publication on what they call Latinx LGBTQ plus students. Of course, only about 4% of all people of Hispanic descent use the term Latinx. So that kind of shows how far they, uh, how far off they are. I go through several of these organizations uh, have endorsed either very young trans, uh, transitions based on gender or what they call comprehensive sex education, including abortion and uh, the distribution of contraceptives in schools. These are the groups that uh, the president has said he's going to listen to and that they speak for parents. Parents. <clears throat> I just wanted to focus in on that word just for a moment. Um, I am reading, you know, like positive in terms of like positive headlines that the tide is turning in favor of parents in terms of education and educational choice in America. So that's very, very positive. Um, but the use of the word parent is apparently oppressive um, and not socially just um, and is being swapped for phrases like your adults um, in terms of the education of our children in public schools. Um, let me just ask this question. Um, what should math teachers be teaching well, uh, it seems like a trick question, but I'm going to say math. Yes, math teachers should be teaching math, and yet uh, Jeff Bezos and others are like super funding social social justice into mathematics uh, in the United States of America. Uh, again, from the Washington Stand, what's going on here? Uh, this is a, a very unusual story. Mackenzie Scott, who is uh, the, the uh, Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon's ex-wife, uh, their divorce gave her. Uh, an, amount, an amazing amount of wealth, which she is in turn giving to social justice organizations, as she defines the term. We would call them extreme left-wing pressure groups. Uh, she made a $10 million grant to a group called Leading Educators. And Leading Educators mentors teachers, uh, particularly in troubled school districts, districts that are having trouble academically. And one of the things that they counsel in their handbook is that uh, you should replace the term parents with a phrase like your adults because it's more inclusive. But the math portion of it is what really is astounding. It tells teachers, and this is a quote, infuse social justice into mathematics. So when you have word problems, instead of just you know saying so-and-so goes to the store and, and bought so much, uh, you know, how much, uh, how many uh, could you buy for that amount? Uh, instead, you would you would say, for example, and I have an example here that was used in the curriculum in the UK. This is a quote. Harley, a non-binder and gender non-conforming person using they-them pronouns, has volunteered to give bottles of water to runners in a marathon. And and then it, it has there, obviously, children are going to ask, what do you mean? Uh, this is intended for children between the ages of five and seven in the classroom. So obviously, they're going to say, what do you mean non-binder, gender non-conforming? And then it tells uh, the teacher to say, quote, Harley doesn't feel like a boy or a girl. So by using the them pronouns, they don't have to feel they are either. So that's the sort of thing that Jeff that's Bezos. That's not math. Is, like, no, that's no, not no. math. Exactly. It, it's, I know. it's indoctrination. I, you think it's you, indoctrination. Thou thinks I doth protest too much. I think we don't protest enough sometimes. Amen. Yeah. Um, all right. We got, you know, an endless number of things we could talk about today. Um so maybe I'll just highlight this and because uh, we're going to have an opportunity, I'm sure, to circle back around to it. But there is 
for the first time in a generation, actual bipartisan gun legislation that is being voted on in Congress. There are upsides and there are downsides anytime we have this conversation. So um, what's Ben Johnson's two cents on the matter? Well, I guess my two cents are I would be concerned uh, by certain aspects of the bill, particularly the red flag laws, uh, simply because red flag laws allow anyone to report someone else and say, I believe this person is a danger. If the authority uh, in, in question believes that, then they can remove the handgun. So my question is, what's to stop your stalker from reporting you? And then they know you're not armed. So that that concerns me when it comes to red flags. Uh, there are other aspects of the bill which are also somewhat concerning, but uh, but uh, there there are improvements, for example, in uh, mental health services, particularly for younger children. Uh, so I, I have some I have concerns across the board with a lot of this legislation, but uh, I am I am uh, at least glad that they are looking at the broader issue of mental health, and I think it's undoubtedly going to pass. They have 14 Republicans on board. Yeah, so um, thanks, Ben, always for keeping an eye on things happening in the culture and bringing them to us. You guys can read what Ben is working on at WashingtonStand.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. You got me singing like this. Are you exhausted? I mean, like, like at the fatigue level, um, I, you're not alone. Uh, I, I, I had a whole week off, and I'm still exhausted. Uh, and I do, I, I know I'm not alone. I mean, I have this conversation with so many of my friends, and there, it just feels like we're just under a particular burden um, at so many levels. Part of that is we are weighed down by many things that we were not designed to carry. Like you and I were actually like not designed by God to carry the weight of the world. That's not who we are. We also not designed to bear the weight, the full weight of of his glory. And so um, for people who have uh, exchanged the truth about God for the lie that the individual person is in fact God, like no individual person is designed to bear the weight of that glory, save Jesus Christ. I mean, he, he alone, right? The one who's fully God and fully man, he can bear the full weight of the glory of God. And he alone can bear the full weight of the world. That is um, an unbelievable and yet so, so true and reassuring reality. Jesus Christ bears the weight of the world. He bears the weight of the wrath of God on the cross. And he bears the weight of the glory of God. Um, as God's one and only son. Like, that is such amazing reassurance, and that is the place in which we rest. So if you're tired, if you're soul-weary, I want you to hear Jesus say today, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, even rest for your soul. Asherita Chuchu um When we entered into the COVID experience, she wanted to find a way to spend time in prayer each and every day with um, some of her listeners. And so she um, was led by God to have this time of like restful prayer and developed a rhythm of prayer using the acronym REST. And she's going to join us next to share that. The book is prayers of rest, daily prompts to slow down and hear God's voice. It is a a rhythm and a practice of prayer in which we can all engage and find our rest. 
That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, even rest for your souls. God offers us a Sabbath day of rest, not as an obligation, but as a gift. We're going to talk about rest in the presence of God, how much we need it and how to get there. Asherita Choo Choo joins us again. She is, among other things, the author of Prayers of Rest, Daily Prompts to Slow Down and Hear God's Voice. Asherita, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, good morning. Thank you so much for having me back. Absolutely. So this um, book grows out of a podcast, and the podcast grew out of a daily prayer exercise that you entered into during COVID with um, with your friends, and that actually grew out of just one line you wrote in your journal. So talk with us about how this got started, and let me uh, then also be quick to tell everybody, you guys can find resources related um, to everything we're talking about today at Asherita's website, onethingalone.com. So Asherita, how did this get started? Yeah, so I mean, the line you're referring to in my journal is way back when I was a young teenager. And um, I grew up in a Christian family, in fact, in a missionary family. Um, and I realized in my early teen years that I didn't really know how to pray. Uh, not the way that I heard uh, men and women of faith around me praying so powerfully and yet personally talking to God. And so I asked him, I wrote this in my journal, Lord, teach me how to pray the same way that the disciples asked you to teach them. Would you lead me on a journey of going deeper with you? And I would say the past two decades have been God's answer to that prayer. Um, just always revealing more and showing me more of the privilege that we have to come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. Um, and so fast forward to 2020, when um, it felt like the world was falling apart and everything was shut down. And I was at home with my family and I love them dearly, but we were not getting a break from each other. <laughs> and um, I found myself in the laundry room on the floor sobbing, um, just saying, God, I can't do this anymore. And, and in that place of need, um, God met me with this assurance that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And coming out of that meltdown moment on the laundry room floor, um, that was the turning point for me in our lockdown experience where I decided to wake up early to rest in God's loving presence in the morning before the headlines assaulted me, before anything else came that was bad news for the day. Um, I, I set my intent to find rest in God, and He met me and my friends uh, week after week after week. And it's just been wonderful to see how He has grown this community of prayers of rest. I think um, I know I resonate with this common struggle, um, you know, as a teenager asking exactly the same question that you asked um, and finding answers in uh, in a discipleship group where I learned an acronym. That particular acronym was ACTS. Mm -hmm. um, but the acronym that you're offering up is so rich. Um, I want to talk about the acronym REST, R-E-S-T. Lead us into this prayer of rest acronym and this rhythm. 
Sure. So I grew up with the X prayer model as well. So the first two letters um, have a lot of overlap and similarity. And then the last two are where things get a little different. So the R in rest stands for recite God's goodness. And this is where um, if we're praying scripture, we look at the verse, we say, what does this teach me about God's character, about who he is? And how can I praise him for that, um, for his goodness toward not just his people throughout history, but in my own life, where has God been good? And how can I recite that goodness? Um, it's such a great place to remember who he is and what he's done and to start our prayers anchored in the truth. Of, of God. Um, the E is express your neediness. And this is where we get honest with God. We tell him about our needs, our burdens. Uh, we confess our sins and we receive his forgiveness. First John one tells us that if we confess our sins, God is great, gracious and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Um, and part of this, like I said, is getting honest with him, telling him the hard things, the the hard emotions that we're struggling with that we wouldn't admit to anyone else or the tricky relationships that we, we feel like, God, I don't really know what to do in this situation. Would, would you lead me? Would you give me wisdom? God promises that he will always give wisdom to those who ask it. So R, recite God's goodness, E, express your neediness. Um, and for the longest time, Carmen, in my own prayer life, I would um, tell God all the things. I would talk, 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 and then run away and say, okay, God, that was a great chat. Like, I'll see you tomorrow. Um, not that casually, obviously, but but my prayer life was all about me talking to God. Um, and and what I had experienced in in recent years was this restlessness of, God, I am doing all the things. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm serving. I'm, I'm pouring out into my family and into my local church community. And you promise in Matthew 11 that all who come to you will find rest. Where is this rest? Because I'm not feeling it. Um, I'm, I'm burnt out. Um, so would you lead me? Here's that prayer again, echoing that teenage prayer. God, would you lead me in a place of rest? And and the next letter in the rest acronym S was God's answer to me. The S is seek his stillness. Carmen, throughout scripture, we see God inviting his people to be still and know that he is God, to experience like Elijah, God's presence and his voice, not in the rush of the wind or in the fire or in the earthquake, but in the still small voice. And so the S is God's invitation to us to slow down, to be still, to become aware of his loving presence through his Holy Spirit around us and within us. If we belong to God, his own spirit lives in us. And so in this S, we've, we've, we've told God all the things. Now it's time to be still and say, God, is there anything that you want to say to me? Is there something you want to show me? Is there a verse of scripture you want to bring to mind? I'm, I'm listening. I'm here. I'm with you. And then the T, um, after that time of quiet and stillness and just <laughs> receiving God's rest in his presence, it is time to trust 
his faithfulness. And this is the time where in my own life, I found it so beneficial to reaffirm um, my commitment to trust and obey, to say, God, I believe you are who you say you are, and you will do what you said you will do in the world and in my life too. And so if God has shown me something that he's calling me to take the next step in faith, then I commit that I will do that and I will leave the results to him. I trust you, God. I trust that you will be faithful to complete the good work that you have started. Um, and then throughout the day, you know, as, as I walk throughout my day, I'll, I'll come back to that conversation with God. If I'm tempted to worry about a decision or about finances, or if there was a hard conversation that I had that I kind of mull over, I'll come back to rest. I'll come back to recite. God is good. He's present. He's faithful. He's here. God, this is what I need right now. Would you meet me? I'll take a few moments, a few deep breaths, just remind myself that God is with me. And then I'll say, God, I, I, I trust you with this. I trust you. It's in your hands. We're talking with Asherita Chuchu. We're talking about um, her book, Prayers of Rest, Daily Prompts to Slow Down and Hear God's Voice. There is a podcast, a related podcast, as well as other resources. Um, and I found lots of really good resources related to this at Prayers of Rest. Dot com. You can um, also get there and all of Asherita's resources by going directly to her website, onethingalone.com. Asherita, I want to um, spend some time talking about um, not only the content of the book, but where it leads us. Because I think that where you're leading us is to the place that we need to be, which is into the very presence of God. Um, if I want to experience his mercy, his all-sufficient grace, if I want to learn to rely on him, if I want access to his power, like, right, I got to get myself into his presence. And um, that is one of the beautiful things, I think, about the book is that it it's not just about a practice of prayer or a rhythm or a formula. It's about a place and a space and a posture, yeah, absolutely. And and that's what has been so helpful for me with this. Um, and I encourage listeners, I encourage our reader, our community, like it's not about a formula. It's not about checking it off your list or doing it multiple times a day. Um, this really is an invitation to come to God. Um, I love the passage. There's one in Hebrews 4 and there's one in Romans 8 that talks about how Jesus Christ is our high priest and he lives to always intercede for us. And I think many of us struggle with prayer because we feel like um, we need to put on a good face or we need to follow the perfect formula or we need to do it a certain way or have it be a certain length of time. And, and if we could just wrap our minds around the fact that Jesus Christ, our, our Savior, our Lord, our High Priest, is praying for us right now. He is at the Father's right hand talking to Him about us right now. And so when we pray, we're not having to muster something up on our own. We're simply joining Jesus in what He's already doing. When we have no words to pray, when there is just that gut-wrenching agony, um, instead of taking it to our pantry or the fridge, or instead of scrolling our phones or opening a site on our computer, uh, that is that that agony, that prompt, that discomfort is the prompt to come to Jesus. 
And, and scripture says that even when we have no words, the Holy Spirit himself is groaning for us before the Father and interceding. So it's really not about doing things a certain way. It's not about getting it just right. I hope the REST acronym is helpful, but you don't have to use it. My encouragement today as you're listening to this is come to Jesus, come to the Father. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle, I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If that resonates with you this morning, come to him just as you are and come and talk and rest in his presence. That invitation um, from Asherita Chuchu is extended throughout this book, Prayers of Rest, Daily Prompts to Slow Down and Hear God's Voice. More in just a moment on Mornings with Carmen. Come to me. Continuing our conversation with Asherita Chuchu, we're talking about prayers of rest, daily prompts to slow down and hear God's voice. You can find uh, not only this book and the podcast related to it, but lots of other resources at Asherita's website, onethingalone.com. Um, Asherita, when uh, when we get into and experience um, the book itself and the the processes. I mean, you invite us to pray like Jesus, and then you invite us to um, to pray the gospel, pr- pray for and with the people of Jesus. I loved the section on praying the Psalms, prayers for every emotion. I think that's really helpful. That was certainly one of the exercises that I went through. Um, you know, in in my discipleship journey, actually not just praying the Psalms, but then writing out my own prayers related to the Psalms. Um, that takes a long time, right? There's 150 of them, so if you do one a day, like it takes a while. Um, but I love the I love the house prayer section. I loved the section of the book where you do the 66 verses, uh, God's love from Genesis to Revelation. I thought that was wonderful. I like the calendar index, like I like it all. But I want you to um, talk with us about um, where we go from here. Like, so I'm looking at page 409 um, because one of the things that you offer that's, I think, fairly unique is that when I get to the end of the book, I'm actually encouraged to reflect on my experience. That is, um, first of all, like something that I now think should be included in every book. I think I think we should be encouraged to reflect on a book that we have spent time with, and in this case, a, a, a fairly long period of time. And you pose these questions. What have you learned about God? What did you learn about yourself? How have you grown in your prayer habit? Um, what would you like to say to God as you reflect on your seasons of prayers of rest? Um and and I just, I, I want to spend a little time here because I, I think this reflective part is so important. Absolutely. And um, Carmen, I'm so glad you found that helpful because it's something that I do actually include in all my books, at least in the last four years. Every book I've published with Moody has this section at the end because I think it's so important to the formation of our spiritual habits to have an intention to practice it every day. But then what happens to most of us is um, we struggle to be consistent because we try to do things the same way every day. 
every year for the rest of our lives. And that's just not realistic. In in different seasons, we're going to need to adapt to different creative ways and, and creative expressions of connecting with God. And so in, in one season, it, it might be that, yes, I wake up early, like during the lockdown, I had to wake up early in the morning because everyone was home all day. And that was the only time I had to connect with Jesus. But then if sickness hits our family, which we did get sick and, and then we sleep in and then I'm not up in the morning, it's easy for that habit to slip away and for us to get discouraged because the same way isn't the same method isn't working for us anymore. And so in my own life, I found it helpful periodically about once a month, I'll sit down with whatever spiritual discipline I'm I'm focusing on that month. And I'll go through these questions. Like, what did I learn about God as I practiced? Um, Right now I'm focusing on memorization as I'm memorizing Mm. the Sermon on the Mount. What am I learning about him? What am I learning about how he created our minds to absorb scripture and meditate on it all day long? what did I learn about myself? Like I thought I just had a terrible memory and I could never memorize long passages of of the Bible. And yet here I am, like I focused on it for a month and I'm learning that I can, like even at an older age, I can memorize scripture and remember it. Um, How have I grown in this? What did I enjoy about this habit? And what did I not enjoy? What can I tweak to do differently? to focus my heart on Jesus and and truly come to him to experience that fullness of joy in his presence. Um, I just love that our creative God invites us to come to him in creative ways. And more than that, he has placed his own spirit in us as a counselor, a guide, a a teacher. Jesus says he will bring to mind all these things I've taught you. He's the one who um, convicts us with scripture. And so why would he not also lead us in enjoyable Bible habits that help us enjoy Jesus. So if you're struggling, you're listening to this and you're struggling to with your prayer habit, um, I would invite you to try this practice of, of sit down and, and ask yourself, what about my prayer habit is not working? right now. Maybe it's the time of day. Maybe it's the length of time. Maybe it's the way you're trying to do it. Uh, What do I really enjoy when, when I do enjoy prayer in God's presence or, or reading scripture, what about it makes me come alive? And what does that tell me about how God created me? And, and where have I felt God's presence in my life? How can I incorporate more of that? And asking the Holy Spirit, would you lead me, guide me, give me wisdom, show me how to incorporate more of these rhythms that bring joy and life and, and help me look forward to spending time with you. Um, Carmen, this is such a fun, reflective experience to have with God. Um, and, and it's something that, yeah, I include in all my books because I feel like everyone, like you get to do this. You get to partner with the creator of the universe and learning how to approach him the way he created you too. I love the question, what's not working? Um, right. Because, you know, I, I think that's just so helpful. It could be the time. It could be the place. It could be the frequency. Um, it could be the link. It could be distractions. It could be so many things. Um, one of the things that I keep handy, um, is an old hymnal, but mm. you could use any, any kind of resource that has songs in it that you like, right. Um, or that leads you into God's presence or enable you to, um, use someone else's language sometimes to glorify him and remind um, you know, remind yourself 
of his attributes, his goodness, his faithfulness. So when I get to um, the T, right, um, in this, sometimes I I sing, like, right, the trusting in his faithfulness part for me and this, this reaffirmation of my commitment to trust and obey, um, there are times that I then just open up that old hymnal, right? And I may not sing it, I might, I might kind of sing it, but I definitely read it. And so I think one of the things I really appreciate is your willingness to sort of make your prayers public so that other people can learn to pray by overhearing you pray. And that's, um, that's the wisdom and the beauty of the podcast as well. So I want to encourage people to check that out. We also have a listener who texted in and said, please tell Asherita that the last time that she was on talking about toxic people, I was touched and I subscribed to her podcast and I love her. So there you go. There you go. Oh, and thank Mary, you so much for Mary Rose also says, Asherita, she's so wonderful. There you go. The, <laughs> the love is real for you. So thank you so much, my sister. This is, um, this is delightful. The book is Prayers of Rest. You can find Asherita, this book, and lots of resources at her website, onethingalone.com. We'll be right back. I will trust. I love prayer. I love the reality that we can simply turn to the Lord consciously in any given moment, acknowledge um, the access we have to him in Jesus Christ and bow down and lift up our voices and our concerns and our needs. Thank you that you are praying for me. Thank you that you pray for this ministry. Thank you um, that you're praying for one another. Thank you that you are praying for others around the world and the headlines that we read and the people affected in each and every one of those stories. Prayer is such a gift. It's such a grace. It's so powerful. God is so good. So let's uh, spend some time before him today, uh, undistracted in prayer. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.